0: Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone! Everybody give me a big woo! All right! It's good to see everybody today. Um... If you are here for the first time, let me introduce myself. My name is Justin Graves. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and we are excited to have you here with us today. Um, we don't usually have tents set up in the parking lot, but we are our connect group kickoff that is happening, and we just believe you shouldn't do life alone. We think we are totally better together, and so we want you. I can't make you do this, um, but we are providing opportunities for you to make friendships, and relationships, to get involved in a small group, because we know the Bible says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we want to be as sharp and as amazing followers of Christ that God has intended us and designed us to be. And so, if you don't know where you fit, let me assure you, you there's a place for you here. There's a place for you at Foundations Church. No matter your background, no matter what your present situation is, we would love to have you involved in a group. And my prayer is that we have so many people that we've got to keep doubling and tripling our connect groups because people are getting plugged in, getting discipled, that's where our care- where comes from and happens because, let me tell you, our church is outgrowing my ability to see everybody in the hospital, um, my wife's ability to take everybody a meal or a pie, which her pie is awesome, but um, we just, we've just outgrown, and so we want to care, we want to be the church that God's called us to be, and so we need you to get involved and connected in a small group, in a connect group. Even Jesus did life in a small group, if you look at it. That's what his disciples were, right? Um, so even Jesus had a small group. Group, get involved in a small group. If you don't know where to go, maybe you're new to uh, to this whole following Jesus thing, and you're just like, man, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what my next step is. We have an Alpha Connect group that is starting next week, August 27th, right after second service. We feed you. We give you good food. I'm not talking junky church food, like bologna sandwiches and mustard. Some of you are like, there's nothing wrong with the bologna sandwich and mustard. Um, but we are going to feed you, get some good food to you, We have child care. And if you just are like, man, I don't know what, how to do this whole following Christ, Jesus, Christian thing, we want to help you. Maybe you just need, man, a refresher. We want to help you take your next step because we believe growing equals changing, that if we're growing people, we're changing people. And that's what this this Connect group is all about, our Alpha group, is how do I continue to grow in Jesus Christ? How do I continue to change my relationship and how it looks? So if you would like information, they are the stand out there that is serving watermelon, and I just invaded the mess out of it before the second service. Um, So stop by there. Adam and Nadia are there, and there are some awesome people. Also, if you are new to the church, um, in the last four months, five months, something like that, we have something called Pizza with the Pastors, where we would love to connect with you, just shrink the crowd a little bit, and let you get to know us, and us get to know you. We tell you what the church is all about. We pay for the pizza. It's at Savastano's. It will rock your face off. It is amazing pizza, Um, but we would just love a chance to connect with you, and let me tell you, our last... The last four of these have sold out, and I say sold out, they've gotten booked up because it doesn't cost you anything. But if you want to get connected, we would love to meet you, really. What you see is what you get, so it's a little scary. Um, But don't be scared away. We would love to hang out with you, connect with you. If this is something that you would be interested in next week at 5.30, please sign up today, and we will contact you. And as soon as we have too many, we'll try to book another one pretty quick. Um, Today we are finishing our series in Ephesians. And I got to tell you, today's message, I have way too much material. I didn't get to it in first service. I'm not going to get to it in second service. Um, we'll kind of do a, a con- to be continued on our FC midweek. If you're not watching that, this past week I dry heaved on a sauerkraut ranch sandwich, um, and it was awful. Um, but, so we're trying to make it a little interesting. When I mean dry heave. I mean tears. I was blindfolded, but it was, it was so gross. Um, I don't know what I'm doing, but um, anything to reach people. Uh, but, <laughs> but today we're, today we're finishing up our series, and really today's message could just be a series in itself. In fact, it has been a series in our past called Fighting Naked, um, and it's about the armor of God, because a lot of us, the truth is, we're not putting the full armor of God on, and as a result, spiritually, we're not fighting like we were meant to be decked out in. We've been fighting our spiritual battles naked, and so, if that's something that you want to access, it's in our podcast, it's in our archives, you can go back and just listen to that whole series. But today, our text is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. And it says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, today I'm going to stop just for a second before we get to verse 12 and let you understand something. Today we are talking about the devil. He's real. A lot of us are like, "Oh, don't say that name." You treat him like Voldemort off Harry Potter or something. I'm like, "Come on." Um, You're like, "Don't, don't, don't say the name." Don't. I just, I like to pretend that he's not real. Well, just because you pretend he's not real doesn't make him not real. Just because I want to pretend oxygen doesn't exist because I can't see it doesn't make oxygen not exist. Understand? You have an adversary. You have opposition in your spiritual life. It's called devil. It's called Satan. It's called Lucifer. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. For we, verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. "'Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God.'" There's something real that happens in our world that's unseen, and it's called spiritual warfare. And I don't do a lot of messages on this, but it doesn't make it any less real. And so today, it's not going to get weird. It's just going to talk about what is spiritual warfare, who's who's Satan, how how do I fight him, and how do I lead my life spiritually into a victorious, purposeful way. Um, There's a game I play with my girls when we're swimming. It's called Gladiator, and it's a game we made up and we mark a halfway part of the pool with buckets and they start at one end of the pool and I start at the other end of the pool and I count down one, two, three and we meet halfway and I do whatever I can to stop them and they do whatever they can, hit, slap, pinch, bite, scratch, which has all happened, um, to get across the half point line. And I'm trying to dunk them and get them under. And if one of them crosses, they can come back and help their sister, because I'm all about team building with my with my sisters here, with my, with my daughters. And so, we were playing this game the other day, and I will admit, I, I really was trying. It wasn't like just throwing my kids a bone here to make them, I'm going to build your confidence. Um, I think you need to earn your confidence and not just say, yeah, you won. Um, but... We were, we were playing, and they beat me by a point. We had gone into overtime. They beat me by one point, point. and we get out of the pool, and I'm breathing, I'm, I'm winded, I'm tired, I've got scratch marks all over my back. And Chloe, my youngest, looks at me, and she goes, Dad, that was, that was a really good game. I go, yeah, Chloe. I go, it was a really good game. She goes, you know, you shouldn't feel bad. I go, oh, yeah? She goes, yeah, Dad. She goes, you're almost as strong as two little girls. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, "Oh, not not as strong, almost as strong as two little girls." And I was like, oh, "Okay, okay, you know, shots fired, shots fired." <laughs> Very good. Very good. And, but but here's what I here's what I know. I would never play this game with a full-grown man, but if I was to play this game with a full-grown man, I, the level of intensity would be dialed up because I'm understanding who I am fighting against. And can I tell you, the same thing's true when we understand who we're fighting against in our spiritual life. And what I hope that you understand is simply this, is that you and I have to identify and understand who you're fighting against. You, Most of us, we don't even have an idea of who Satan is, what he's desiring to do, and the destruction he's wanting to bring. And if we had the understanding, if we could identify this it would make us very intentional about us engaging in the fight i'll tell you this an un- an educated and an informed follower of christ becomes an effective and powerful disciple of christ an, an, an educated and informed follower of Christ, once you get educated on this and once you get informed, i got to tell you, it makes you powerful and effective as a disciple of Christ. And so, Paul writes this out in Ephesians 6, and he, he says something that's just so true. Your biggest struggles, your biggest battles, your biggest temptations are not going to be with people. It's not going to be people that is your struggle, is your battle. Your biggest struggle, your biggest battle is going to be temptations. It's going to be deceptions. And it's going to be situations that Satan uses to trip you up. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So, who is our enemy? I mean, I know we know what's well, the devil. You know, it's like that's not the Sunday school answer you said growing up in a traditional church. You know, you weren't like, the devil made me do it. Um, who, who is it? It is Satan. It, his name is actually Lucifer, and his name means day star or shining one because the enemy's appearance always looks attractive and enticing and alluring. alluring. It, that's, why, that's why he's named that. His ways seem, oh man, that, that looks good. It, it sure is enticing. It sure is attractive. But once we understand more about him and the role that he wants to play in your life and my life, if we allow him, it's not quite as alluring and attractive. His main job, his main role for you and I is to confuse us. It's to confuse us. I tell you, if Satan showed up in your doorstep, um, it's not going to be in this scary, like, devil mask. Like, and the devil, you know? It's not, that's probably not how it's going to be. He's going to try to confuse you about God's purpose for your life. And I got to tell you, no matter where you are, no matter what's happened, God has a purpose for each and every one of yours life and my life. He's got steps that he is longing for you and me to take. And if Satan can confuse you about God's character, if he can confuse you about God's goodness, if he can confuse you about being able to take that step and to step into all that God is calling you to, if he can keep you from that, if he can distract you from that, he's done his job he's done it and and, and here's the deal about Satan Satan knows exactly what to tempt you with and when to tempt you he knows just the bait to put on the hook to make you bite Man, it's attractive. You're at this weak point. You're at this weak spot. And that's the way he works. So so we understand who it is. We've identified who we're fighting. But now we need to understand how he works. And the first way he works is simply this. He's smart. He's slick. It's a better way of saying he uses deception and lies. They're, they're both the same thing. He, he's really cunning. He's really smart at what he's... What he does, he's good. Man, that's the first time I've ever said the devil's good. Um, But he's really intentional and smart about what he's doing. It's been happening since the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And this is why you kill every snake. (laughs) He said to the—see, I got biblical references here. What you got? Oh, it's a good snake. No, it's not. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did did God really say that? Come on. And the woman said to the serpent, which, never mind, I need to keep going because I've got a lot. Um, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. And can I tell you, most of the temptations, most of the things you are going to want to compromise are going to be in the middle of your life, not on the far edges of your life. If I, if I could just, I'd just compromise on this, because everybody else kind of, not a big deal, but, but, but that's where he knows to tempt you. That's where he knows to bait you. Verse 4, you will not certainly die. It's not that big of a deal. Come on, Eve, step it down a notch. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the deal. Satan's great at taking things that are a big deal and making it seem like it's not a big deal he's great at it oh eve come on girl really really just a piece of fruit is going to do all do everything that god's done i mean just 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 one bite and he's been doing it from the beginning if he can just get you to take one but just one foot on the wrong path and he's smart and he's crafty and he makes it look good and he's deceptive man he is good at deceiving us it says this in second corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 but i fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to christ will be corrupted just as eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent when satan speaks when he's at work it's always with confusion it's always with lies and it's always with deception and here's what happens. We start convincing ourselves that we can take it, that we are the exception to the deception. We are the exception, I just made that up and I really like that. We are the exception to the deception. And I gotta tell you, you, you aren't. You, you can't, it's not, oh, it's all true for everybody else, but I, I can handle, no, 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 you can't. I've seen so many people derailed because they have allowed themselves to be the exception to the deception that Satan brings. Oh, but that, that applies for you, but not for me, because this is how God is working in my relationship. No, 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 he just wants to deceive you. He wants to confuse you about what's right and wrong. He wants to muddy the waters and blur the lines. He's really good at doing it. It's one of his strategies he uses. The other ones are, he's an accuser. Job 1 verse 6 says this, one of the members of the heavenly court, uh, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. He's an accuser. What's that mean? It means he takes what you've been forgiven from, and he brings it back and keeps it right here in your face. Because he just wants you to think, oh, you aren't good enough to step into all that God has for you. You're not, you're not qualified. Who are you to do that for the Lord? Who are you? nuts that's not really what God is calling you to. And if he can if He can be the accuser, if he can bring up all this and confuse you from your role in God's kingdom, if he can do all this and keep that wound that, that you're trying to heal, keep it fresh so that you don't step in because I'm, I'm too wounded to be used. I'm too too much baggage in my past. And I love what, what one of our members said on a video of Jody Parsons that said, man, bags fly free here at Foundations Church. You know, I love that thought. Bags fly. There's no baggage here. Step into what God has called you to and has for you. And don't let Satan keep reminding you of all that you've done. But take that step in. Take that step out. Get lifted up. And not just staying in the condition you are in. But step into it. Because you're never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough for the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that God has extended. He's the accuser. He wants to keep you down. He wants to confuse your role. He steals, kills, and destroys. John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What's that mean? What's, what's he want to steal? What's he want to kill? What's he want to destroy? One thing I can tell you, he wants to kill, he wants to kill your marriage. Every married couple in here. Man, he wants to kill it, he wants to steal it from you, and he wants to destroy it. Because he knows if he can get into this marriage relationship, he can weaken the family structure. He, he wants to kill it. He wants to stomp it out. Man, he wants to stomp out that relationship that you have with your kids. He wants to kill that destiny that he has put inside of you, man. He wants to, he wants to confuse you about the—he wants to—all he does is still kill and destroy. God is saying, if you will just pay attention to the life that I'm bringing, it's not to give you a life full of regrets. It's not to give you, try to keep you from, but I'm coming that you may have. I love the way this is, is written in this translation, the New Living Translation. I'm here so that you can have a rich and satisfying life. Not so that you have all this stuff, but that it's full of life. That's it. And that's exactly what Satan wants to take from you. The other thing is this, is that he instigates. He's an instigator. Some of you know instigators, right? That person knows exactly what to say to you to get you going, to get on your nerves, to say that. They just know, and usually it's a sibling, but 1 Peter 5.8 says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone looking for someone to devour. He's looking to pick a fight. He he's a bully. He's just he's just roaming around not as a lion but like a lion seeking whom he can destroy, who he can steal their identity from, the true identity and their purpose. He he's a he's a bully, he's a jerk. And and whether you want to be in the fight or not, whether you want to go toe-to-toe with Satan isn't in the cards. It's not up to you. The fight's already been picked, so why wouldn't you engage in the fight? Right? Making, hoping that it's not there, hoping that he's not there is not going to make him go away. Wishing away doesn't make it go away. It's there. You're in a fight. The other day we were at my house and um, me and Chloe were playing basketball and we were shooting and she went to grab uh, some water out of the garage and on her way out, she takes a drink from her water bottle and right when she takes a drink, this is on the garage door. Boom! Like This is real. This isn't me playing a joke on her. It was a real tarantula. And if you think it looks big to you there, it was ginormous in person. And I'm not like, I'm not like it was this big, but literally it was probably this big. Easy. Easy. I'm not exaggerating right now. I know I have the gift of exaggeration, but this is not this moment. Right? So, Chloe's like, it's a tarantula, Dad, and I'm like, whatever, shut up, Chloe. It's not tarantula. And I go and look on the, the door of the garage, I'm like, well, dang, that's a tarantula. <laughs> and so, I'm, I'm actually pretty good with spiders. Spiders don't freak me out. Snakes is a whole other issue, but spiders, not so much. So, I told Chloe, I go, hey, Chloe, go get your mom and sister because they hate spiders. Um, <laughs> And so she runs in, goes, Mom, Charlie, there's a tarantula on the garage door. And Charlie screams because she is petrified of tarantula. She's not coming out. And Casey's like, oh, you know, burn the house down. Burn it all down to the ground. And like she says tarantula, right? Chloe says tarantula. This is what is like she's picturing in her mind, right? This is what Charlie and, Cl- and Mom, Casey, have gotten their mind. This is what the spider is like, right? And so here I am. We've got this the strand on the garage door. I'm like, well, what? What do you want to do with it, Casey? And she's like, what do you mean? What do I want to do with it? I'm like, well, I can take it off with a shovel. And we can put it in the woods, you know, just kind of buy our house. She's like, kill it. <laughs> I'm like, we it eats other spiders. She goes, Justin, if you leave that spider alive. I'm letting every snake into the house <laughs> that ever crawls across. I'm like, well, dang, you didn't have to get like crazy. You just took it up a level there. <laughs> I'm like, man. And so, here, here, here's, here's what we didn't do. Can I tell you, we didn't pretend that it didn't exist, right? There's a tarantula on the garage door. You don't have that luxury. We didn't wish it away. I went and got a shovel, and I scooped it off the garage door, and when I put it on the ground, they were like, ah, you know, and I went wham and hit it, and guts went everywhere. Pfft. I'm just glad it wasn't pregnant with all these tarantula babies, right? Some of you are like, I'm never coming back to this church. Ah, that's not the Holy Ghost, just so you know. That's just you being creeped out right now. What we decided to do, in my wife's mind, was we're going to take that thing out before it takes us out, before it eats us at night. And can I tell you the same thing when it comes to spiritual warfare? Man, man, I'm tired of seeing us as followers of Christ constantly just on the defensive, just on the defensive, just on the defensive. But man, how do you deal with the bully? This is not applicable to you school children right now. You punch it in the nose. You punch that bully right in the face, right? Now, all you students, all you kids and students that are in school, you need to go report it to a teacher or tell your school administrator. But right now, if you're dealing with the devil, if you're dealing with the bully, you better punch it in the face. Go right, bam, go right at it. Stop running away because his word says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He also wrote that we are more than conquerors, through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. So, how do we fight? How do we put this whole armor on and fight the battle? Well, the first thing I want you to understand is you've got to be purposeful about putting on every piece of armor. You've got to be purposeful about it. Man, you've got to be intentional about it. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 through 17, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Here's what I want you to understand. The armor doesn't keep the battles away. It just gets you ready for them. A lot of us, we confuse this. Well, if I have this armor on, then I won't be having to deal with temptation. No, no, no. It just gets you ready for when the temptations come. It just gets you ready for the situations that come, right? It doesn't do away with all the battles. It just gets you ready for it. Verse 14, stand your ground. I love that. Stop running away. Stop. ah, Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Stand your ground. Get ready to fight. Get ready to put every piece of armor on. Because why? Because when you don't put every piece of armor on, put on the whole armor of God, put every piece on, you have a bare spot. And where there is a bare spot, it makes it a weak spot. And Satan knows right where to go, right where to hit you. And you and I are here not to live in retreat in our marriage, but man, to go on the offensive. Because man, for you to step in, and have the marriage that God has called you to, to step in and have the relationship that God has called you with your kids, to step in and have the life of making a difference and an impact that you can have that life to the full, rich, and satisfying way, according to John 10, 10. Stand your ground. Well, how do you stand your ground? How do you engage the armor? It's, first thing is this, it's by prayer. It's by prayer. In verse 18, following verse 17, right out of Ephesians 6, it says, do all this, put all the whole armor of God, do all this in prayer, asking for God's help. Pray on every occasion as the Spirit leads. For this reason, keep alert and never give up. Pray always for God's people. Pray on every occasion. It doesn't say gripe. It doesn't say complain about your spouse. It doesn't say get depressed and complain about your situations and life's not fair. It doesn't say all these other things, but it says pray on every occasion. Can I tell you, prayer is a big deal. It's a big deal. And some of us, we need to engage it in our lives. Not just when our world is falling apart, but man, you're proactive. Every morning, you're praying. Can I tell you, every morning, I get dressed. Shocking, I know. <laughs> every morning, I purposefully pick out my clothes. And some of you are probably like, you picked that out today on purpose, but I did. I, I, I'm purposeful in my wardrobe, in my outfit. I make sure that I didn't forget anything when I go to the gym and I'm changing at the gym because there's really bad things to, to forget and not have on when you're wanting to go throughout your day. And I'm very purposeful in making sure that I am equipped and I'm putting every piece of clothing article on my body. And can I tell you, if I'm that purposeful, if I'm taking that much time to make sure I'm clothed, you and I should be taking even more time to making sure we are spiritually fit and outfitted and suited up for the day. And you got to do it in the morning. I know some of you are like, I'm not a morning person. But you still put some clothes on in the morning, I hope. You don't need to be running around naked. Nobody wants to see that. Here's the deal. It makes no sense for us to get prepared for battle at the end of the day you you got to engage and you got to equip yourself in prayer because i'm going to go old school here prayer changes things Prayer changes things. If you're in a bad marriage, pray about it. Stop griping about it. Your kids are off on left field. Start praying for them instead of complaining to them. If if you are in a place financially, you're needing God to move, start praying about it instead of being depressed about it. If you're wanting to have this life and have it to the full, start praying about it and seeking God for it and watch what he does and how he answers you. It says this in James chapter 5 verse 16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of life I want, is that my prayer life is powerful, and it's yielding wonderful, powerful results. Let me talk to all my couples, just for a second. There's a study that's been put out by Dr. Kim Kimberling, who did a study on the power of praying couples. And out of all the couples that are followers of Christ, that are Christians that go to church on a regular basis, only 5% of couples pray together. 5% of Christians, of followers of Christ pray for each other. Which is crazy to me. And I'm going to I'm going to challenge all of the men here that every evening you need to be praying out loud. Over your wife before you go to bed. I know I said just the morning, but there's a reason I say in the evening, for this specific reason. You need to be the spiritual head. You need to be the spiritual leader of your house. And I got to tell you, when you do this for the first time, you're going to feel like you're on a first date all over again. You're going to feel nervous. You're not going to know what to pray. Man, keep it simple. Keep it basic. Just kiss. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Um, just, just pray over your wife. Pray over your family because this is something that we are called to do. And I, the reason I say in the evening, because it's really hard to pray over your spouse and stay mad at them. It's really, really difficult. But me and Casey have had an argument. I don't get in bed like, God, dear God, show her the error of her ways. Show her how stubborn she's being and how right I am. That doesn't, no, that doesn't fly. I'm praying over her. But but here's why I say that. Out of the 5% of the couples that pray together, only 1% of that 5% got divorced. Prayer's a powerful thing. Prayer's a big deal. And you and I, we had this amazing access to the Creator of the universe, our Father God. Through prayer, start learning to pray and seek God's face on a daily basis. The second thing I would tell you, and i, I got to stop, i got to go. The second thing I would tell you is this, keep the Word of God active in your life. Keep the Word of God active in your life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cut in between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I think it just, the way I would term this, it cuts through the bull, right? It just cuts through the, whatever you want to convince yourself and all your friends and every, the Word of God cuts through all your bull and says, hey, this is the reality and this is truth if you're struggling to find truth in a situation if you're struggling to find truth for your life that's what the Word of God does nothing in all creation is hidden from God everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable just because you have the Word of God and just because you read the Word of God doesn't mean you're applying the Word of God it's great to be a reader of it but is it the standard for your living That's the word of God's purpose, is for it to be the standard for your life. That you gauge all your emotions, you gauge your feelings through the word of God. It says this in Psalms 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of the God, the Bible, man, it keeps you from living a life of regret, a life of wanting and wishing that you had a bunch of redos. Your word have I hidden in my heart. I didn't just read it, I applied it. I used it that I might not sin against you. It says this later on in the chapter, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's there to show me what my next step is. It's there to show me direction. When I don't know what to do, when I don't know where to go, it shows me where to go. It directs my life. This is how you stand your ground. This is how you fight. And church, it's time we fight. It's time we engage. Because all I know is this, is that if he is for you, who can be against you? He's made you to be a more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror. And so, I encourage you, I employ you as your pastor, man, stand your ground and let's as jesus described john the baptist let's forcefully advance the kingdom of god let's not just give up let's not just throw our hands up and surrender but let's chase after the life that god has called you to you're gonna have to fight every day of every moment but here's what i will tell you is that once you get a hold of that life it is rich and satisfying and there is nothing like it in this whole world of living that life and living it to the full. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. And God, just as we said at the beginning of the service, God, do a new thing. Do a new thing in our lives. Do a new thing in our relationships. Do a new thing in us. And Lord, I pray in this place this morning that you would begin to do a new thing. God, that we wouldn't run away, that we wouldn't pretend like things don't exist. But man, that we would understand there's things that exist in this world. There's things that are happening. And God, for us to just wish them away doesn't make it go away. But Lord, I pray that you would to return some of us to being people that just seek your face. To being people of prayer. The prayer of a righteous person. It's powerful and yields wonderful results. God, God, I pray, let us be people that are praying to you. Let us be people that are seeking you, that are following after you. God, that, that we have access to this armor, but God, the prayer is what holds it all together and engages it. So Lord, I pray that we would commit ourselves once again to prayer because really the truth is all Satan needs us to get is just to be lazy just to get lackadaisical. Just to get numb. Just to start saying, well, prayer's not that big of a deal. Compromise isn't that big of a deal. Lord, I pray, let us realize how much power you have given us to be the fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ you have called us to be. And God, I pray, let us get in the Word. Let us not just have the Word, but let us hide it in our heart, in our soul. So that when we don't know which direction to go, we've hid your Word in our heart so we wouldn't go the wrong place. So we wouldn't make the wrong choice. Because it's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. God, it's able to cut through all the bull and show us the truth of the situation and lead us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. God, I pray, help us stand our ground. God, don't let us just wish it away. God, don't let us pretend that it's not real. But let us be able to stand our ground in the situations and the circumstances and the temptations that come our way so that we might be more than overcomers through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here today, You say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you that chance. Today, you might be here and. and, You know, we get really good at playing the game at church, we get good at pretending everything is okay and everything is right when it's anything but okay and it's anything but right and this morning if you're here and you say Justin man there's a change that needs to happen in my relationship with Jesus Christ I need to just recommit my life we want to give you that chance and if that's you either one of those people I'm going to count to three and all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand in the air and we're going to lead you in a prayer because what we believe is that Jesus sees that sees a hand and he changes a heart and if that's you, man, man, let something new happen in your life today. When I get to three. One, two, three. Is there anyone here? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one, there's two. There's three, there's four. You say, yeah, I see you in the back. There's five hands, there's six hands. Is there anyone else? Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these seven or eight hands that are raised this morning. Yeah, I see you on the side. You say, Justin, that's me. That's me. I-, I-, I need a new thing to start in my life, and I want to join these eight hands before I go any further in service. Is there anyone else before we go any further? I don't want to miss this moment. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's ten hands. Is there anyone else you join these that are man, it's not important if I see your hand, just as long as the Savior does. And I promise you, He sees your hand. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and God, I confess that I have sinned, that I've messed up. God, I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me, a life to the full, a rich and satisfying life. Jesus, I confess you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Can we give these 10 plus hands a huge round of applause, Foundation? Yeah, one awesome morning. Woo! Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a Connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at FoundationsChurch.tv.